Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Welcome back to the screening room. Thanks for stopping by. It's like. It's like Christmas for us. There's a new Transformers movie. Oh, so exciting. I didn't even get you any gifts. <laughs> she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from madwolf.com. And yeah, that's really taking almost everything, all the, the business this week, everything else pretty much staying out of Transformers way. It opened early, and it's called Transformers The Last Night. These are troubled times. Two worlds colliding. And now the greatest mission of them all to turn the tide of human history. I'm not leaving you. When all seems lost, a few brave souls can save everything we've ever known. The operation is over. We're not giving up on Prime, okay? I want to stay. And I want to fight them. For my world to live. Yours must die. This franchise, maybe more than any other, puts the most distance between critical reception and audience reception. These movies make a billion dollars and critics, ourselves included, just hate them. So <laughs> I think we were talking a little bit last week about how sometimes you know critics get blamed when a bad movie bombs, like a mummy or whatever. But I'll tell you, if the audiences want to still go see it, they will go. And they're probably going to see this, but it's bad. I just want to really quickly, though, I want to say, I think they should thank us when a bad movie bombs. <laughs> because The Mummy was terrible, and movies are expensive. Right. And really, our entire job is to help people save money and frustration and not go plunk down a bunch of cash yeah. on a movie they're going to leave going, God, I wish I hadn't seen that. We hope so. But but, but again, my point. Yeah. People want to see they're gonna these go movies, see this one, and right. they're going to go see them. I, is, it, is it just the, the nostalgia of the toys? Because I'll be honest, I'm a little bit older. I didn't play with the toys. Um, I have no invested interest in the toys, and so I don't see the attraction. I just don't. Maybe it's more than that. No, no, I think it is. I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, I think, I mean, I did. I, I, uh, I watched this cartoon with the oh, little Oh, that's boys. it. Too. I forgot about the yeah. cartoon. I never watched the cartoon yeah, either. Yeah, I watched the cartoon, and, uh, and I played with the little boys they babysat for. We played Transformers, and they were a cool toy. And this is what I said the very first, when the very first film came out was, they're a cool toy. It was a really great idea for a toy. They are cool. <laughs> but five movies in, and the, you know, and there are so many things wrong with these movies. Number one, the running time. Oh, my Lord. This one clocks in at two and a half? I think they all did. Oh, yes. I mean, Michael Bay, and we'll get into Michael Bay. You know, he's just Mr. Wretched Excess. Oh, my God, he is. And that start, Holy cow, he and is. And that starts with the running time. Is, is that necessary? Oh, my Lord. It, um, let's and, be honest. It's a movie about Ford trucks that turn into <laughs> robots that fight with each other. I think we can cap it at two hours, Mike. <laughs> well, here's the thing. And, and, and it's really Michael Bay is, is certainly no critic's darling. And there are, there are plenty of reasons for that. Like I said, he's... He's all about Wretched Excess. He's all about, it, it seems to me, so many of his movies are just about a junior high boy run amok. Oh, absolutely. It's all about ogling women, big explosions, just, uh, just appealing to the, the id 
of the junior high boy, and it just gets so, so tiresome. Looking back on, I think, the, the movies I've seen of his, there was one, Pain and Gain, a few years ago. Oh, sure. With Mark Wahlberg, who's in this, Transformers, and Dwayne Johnson. I thought that one, it wasn't great, but it showed he was trying. He was trying to to break out of that and, and do something and maybe have a little message. And he didn't do it particularly well, but I thought, hmm, okay, maybe we have something here. But it's back to uh, it's back to Transformers, and it's back to that junior high mentality. Absolutely. Although there are a couple things I want to give him credit for. There's more self-referential humor That's always in good. this film than in the others, and it needs it. I mean, it needs <laughs> it. One of the biggest problems with the film all along is that it takes itself too seriously, and the humor that it does have is tone deaf. And let's be honest, it's racist and or sexist, the mm-hmm. humor in the first four or five of these. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that those elements are gone because they are not. But, uh, but you know, it you because know, the, the film openly rips off Star Wars and Aliens and Terminator. And, Which other least, movies have done. Yeah. But, it, you know, but he makes little jokes about it. So, oh. he, you know, there is some humor to it. There's also the, the storyline almost makes sense, which is a big step up. It's ludicrous. Do we even... Do we even dare to try to uh, sum it oh, up? Oh, let's. Because here's what it is. This is my favorite thing about it. So the, the Transformers have actually been here on Earth since the Dark Ages. Okay. And they, uh, there were 12 Transformers that were sort of, I guess, the whole reason why the Knights of the Round Table succeeded, because it's really hard not to succeed against other people with swords when you have Transformers. So anyway, yeah, the Transformers have participated in basically every major battle in the history of humankind, which is funny that that's never come up. No one's ever mentioned it or photographed it before. You know before. what? No one ever asked. No, I guess they didn't. <laughs> but anyway, but their planet is dying and Optimus Prime uh, and Megatron, in case you forgot, they vanished at the end of the last movie. Optimus Prime is floating through space searching for his creator. Megatron has vanished. And that means that chaos reigns on Earth because the, uh, the Transformers don't have leaders and they just keep dropping to the earth. And why is that? Well, apparently it's because their planet is dying and their leader, their creator, is looking for the sword that a Transformer left for Merlin in the Dark Ages so that she can suck all the life out of Earth. And she turns, she brainwashes Optimus Prime, George. Optimus Prime is the villain! <laughs> oh my God! And- but here's what I knew was a, what was a problem. We were two hours into this movie and Optimus Prime hadn't returned to Earth yet. And I'm Ooh. like, oh my God, how much longer can this be? A lot longer, George. A lot, a lot longer. But you've got, you've got Mark Wahlberg, and then you've got Anthony Hopkins. He's in this. Stanley Tucci well, drops he's, by. He's, yeah, he's, he pops up. He was in the last one, too. Yeah, he's but, Merlin in this one. But, uh, and then you've got, I guess, a dead ringer, the, the, the stand-in for Megan Fox. It's alarming, isn't it? See, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm worried for Megan Fox's safety <laughs> because in every one of these movies, Michael Bay replaces her because she was, of course, in the original. She was Shia LaBeouf's girlfriend in the original. She's in the first two, wasn't she? Maybe. I, they and then they had together. a little spat. I think they had a little spat. Oh, definitely, yes. falling out. Yes, they did because she said that it doesn't take much acting to be in a Transformers movie, which I don't even think she said to be mean. It's just obvious. Yeah. Anyway... So he's replaced her repeatedly with dead ringers. None more dead or ringery than this one. <laughs> this girl looks just like her. It is alarming. It's Laura Haddock. She's also, actually, she plays 
Chris Pratt's mom in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, right? Okay. So in the first one, you yeah. only really see her for a second. The second one, you see her in like a Ferrari with Brandy, uh, you're a fine girl. Exactly. And in this one, she's a Brit and a philosopher and an Oxford scholar whose dad. In a tight t shirt. Oh my God. Can, can we just for one second go through these costume changes? Because this was the part of the movie where I thought, okay, I give up. So she gets into a car, which is secretly a Transformer. She's wearing one outfit. She gets out of the car. She is wearing a different outfit. She goes home to change. Then she goes directly to a subway, to a submarine. She's wearing a different outfit. She gets out of the subway in a different outfit. George, Sub- where are these clothes coming? Sub- <laughs> submarine, sorry. Where are these clothes coming from? It's, it's insane. Uh, <laughs> but those are the things that you're not expected to think about in, no. in a Michael Bay or a Transformers movie. No. So I can hear people just screaming, oh, just shut up and enjoy it. You know? But you can't. I hear that. I can't, you can't, people do. And it just continues to astound me. And I, and I think I've seen a few of the trailers where they are already uh, advertising that, you know, come see the final chapter. There's no way. No, well, There's no, no because if you look on IMDb, there are, there's transfer, untitled Transformer 6 and Transformer 7 and the Bumblebee movie. So Bumblebee gets his own spinoff film. Yeah, I mean, they're only going to stop when people stop going to see them. No, it's, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, this one is probably less atrocious than the last couple. Because there is some humor. The plot almost makes sense. I think, for me, the biggest thing in an action movie like this is that the action itself is choreographed in a way that the trajectory matches. So often the, the action, I mean, it looks interesting, but like an explosion happens here and then something goes that way and it doesn't, it wouldn't. So it's much clearer, I think, the actual action in this. It looks good. Yeah, that has been a problem in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the way, side note, producers, if you want to use that quote, less atrocious than, than the first few, <laughs> make sure you spell our names right. That's There's right. Two, two D's. D's. <laughs> <laughs> we gave you that one. But... Yeah, it's one of those things, and I, I know I've I've had movies that I've enjoyed, even though the, you know the the consensus is they're not good, and you know there are plenty of people here that just don't care. And God bless you, you know, spend your money, keep the movie business thriving, I guess. But it's sometimes it, channeling your inner middle schooler. Yeah, sometimes it gets to be it gets to be a little tiresome when you see stuff like this just continuing to get all the all the money, all the audience when there's there's other you know much more deserving fare out there uh, this week is a little light you know on releases but there's plenty of other things out there but you know it's it's probably going to win the box office again and uh, it is transformers michael bay doing all the michael bay stuff yes that he does for the last night so we don't love it but we're expecting big box office receipts as we said not a lot else coming out this week and uh, one of the things that's opening in limited release but still a uh, decent amount of theaters, is a new ensemble comedy of a holistic medicine practitioner attending a wealthy client's dinner party after her car breaks down. It's Beatrice at dinner. This is my dear friend, Beatrice. Hi. Nice to meet you. Beatrice is a healer. When I first came to the United States a long time ago... Did you come legally? Yes. Oh. You think that you can hide up here behind these gates and that everything is going to be all right? The world doesn't need your feelings. It needs jobs. It needs money. It needs what I do. The world doesn't need you. Doug is a great philanthropist. Shut up, Gus. I chihuahua. <laughs> okay, you're, you're done. <laughs> this can't possibly end well. 
This is from a writer-director team that we love who has, they haven't worked together in quite a while. Like 15 years. Yeah, which is crazy to me. Mike White, the writer, and then Miguel Arteta is the director. And they did uh, Chuck and Buck, which is a, a super weird little indie film from a million years ago that we love. And then also The Good Girl, which you might remember with Jennifer Aniston, kind of her. Jake Gyllenhaal. And Jake mm-hmm. Gyllenhaal, that's right. But I think Mike White may be best known. He wrote School of Rock. Yeah, absolutely. And he also starred as Sarah Silverman's boyfriend. Right. Actually, Ned Schneebly. He was Schneeble. the real Ned <laughs> in, in School of Rock. So, yeah, they're back teaming up for this one. And it's, yes, it's a comedy, but it's, boy, it's got a lot on its mind and it goes dark. It does, you know, and I think, so, So, uh, you know, as the description suggests, right, it's it's kind of a fish out of water, you know, and it's it's kind of a 1% versus the 99% in a, in a comedy of errors or a comedy of manners, excuse me. Yes. And it is incredibly well acted. Like, yeah, is. there is no, there are no broad strokes here. The characters are real characters, you know, they, uh, they're, they're believable, they're recognizable, it's really, really well done. And, and I'm impressed by all of the performances, but, but uh, I thought that Salma Hayek was amazing. She's great. She's Beatrice. And uh, she, if you've ever been to, as I know we have, if you've ever been to a fancy event and you look in the parking lot and your car is the worst and, you, <laughs> and you're embarrassed, that's Beatrice. Is that your Ford Festiva? <laughs> that's Beatrice. Yeah, she gets caught there uh, because the car breaks down. But the, the woman that she gives a massage to, uh, Kathy, played by Connie Britton, who's also very good. She is good. They're kind of old family friends, and she's invited to stay for the dinner party. And then once, it's really just two other couples, and they're, they're friends through Kathy's husband's work. They're all business associates, the two men, and then they bring their wives. And the main guest is John Lithgow. A guy named Doug, and it isn't long before you realize who he's probably representing. He is a billionaire narcissistic mogul who's just reveling in the ass kissing he's getting, and that just seems to fuel him. And uh, he regales his guests with these obnoxious stories of rhino hunting and all these, you know, these regulations that he's skirted to get his factories and his malls and everything built. So. You know, it isn't long before it's, as you said, the 1%, but more pointedly, it's, it's Trump and the resistance, you know, having dessert in the living room. And that's what it becomes, becomes as Beatrice, who's egged on by a few glasses of wine, starts, uh, kind of overstays her welcome when it starts getting a little bit awkward. And it does. It gets more than a little bit awkward, actually. She slips into another room and looks him up on the internet and figures out this, you know, this is a bad man. So then it really does become, as you said, a 1% versus the rest of the world and that's what this dinner party represents but it's 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 really well written for me the only time it stumbled is when it traded those quieter more sly observations that work through the characters and decided for somebody to make a big speech that that's when it stumbled but other those aren't too many times other than that it stays pretty on point i think it's strongest when you know uh, beatrice she doesn't sort of understand that, which again, good for her, they don't really want her there and they would rather she just sit quietly and appreciate that she gets this good meal and instead she participates in the conversation. I love the faces that the other guests, oh. that the other dinner guests make while she's talking. They're great. Because first she's just telling us like a story about having caught an octopus with her father when she was a child. But then later, because she's basically, she's quite fearless. Yeah. She's, you know, she's the confront- wine helps. Yeah, the wine helps. The faces that the uh, I mean, the faces that that uh, the uh, husband and wife who are hosting, the faces that they make are priceless. But then the other guests, which is Chloe Sevigny and Jay Duplass, Jay Duplass. Mm-hmm. 
Chloe Sevigny is always funny. Yeah. She's, I mean, and I don't think she gets a lot of credit for being that, but just the faces yeah. that they make where they're like, oh my God, can you believe this is happening? Hysterical. And they become so obnoxious in their little asides that are bigoted and, you know, and class-based and it, they're just so obnoxious, yeah. but they don't, they but don't, you know what? Not broad stroke, right? They don't right? overdo it. No. They don't become cartoons no. because they, there are people that, you know, <laughs> exactly. That's I think that's one of the reasons that it works so well is that they are recognizable, oh, yeah. not as a type, but as a person, you mm, know, you know, very much so who don't think they're any, what? I know what? 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 anybody what? would want to look at this picture. Yeah. Anybody. Yeah. I mean, I think it's incredibly well written and then also shot because we were talking about this. Of course, the three women all have, you know, uh, glamorous cocktail dresses and these huge high heels on. And John Lithgow is very tall to begin with. Selma Hayek is a small person. And of course, she has shown up to to do a massage, so she's, she's wearing, wearing tennis, tennis shoes. shoes. Yeah. So the whole film, she's you know head and shoulders shorter than everybody there, and the way it's shot, she's always looking up yeah. at them, yeah. and they're always looking down at her. But it's interesting because it's not just sort of the you're a little person, we're the big person. She also her character looks at the world in that way with big eyes, yep. taking everything in, interested, yep. interested in what the world has to offer. Whereas these people. Only interested in themselves. And what they can take exactly. from the world instead of what they can give. And yeah, that's one of the ways, the height difference is one of the ways that it's shot to really draw a, an insider-outsider perspective. Yep. Yeah, that I think works very well. So yeah, it's it's if you can find it, definitely worth checking out called Beatrice at Dinner. And just like at the Multiplex this week, kind of a quiet week for home video. Really, the only release that comes out is called Life. You remember this one. This was it's basically uh, an alien ripoff. But you're like, but how did they get this cast? Right. You know, it's Ryan Reynolds and Jake Gyllenhaal. And, and uh, they're they discover a little tiny organism and then uh, they're going to bring it back to Earth. And then they realize that the oh. organism right is <laughs> is malevolent. Yeah. And then the, the very interesting thing, the organism takes over the, the spaceship and is going to hurdle them to earth because the only thing that will survive that is the organism sure. and so the whole thing is just about how life protects life yeah you know and uh, and it's and then of course once it's in, on earth it'll just kill us all so it's anyway it's a very 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 alien ripoff but a lot of good jumps it's just it's a b movie with a great cast that makes it work you know a lot of good jump scares um creepy fun not awesome but yeah. a great summertime waster i think it's one that a lot of people were excited to see and then mm -hmm. once they saw it it was like oh, okay yeah you know so yeah. and yeah, it's pretty familiar yeah ended up disappointed but but in the end still okay yeah you know, it's it, it's not bad but yeah uh you're going to recognize a lot about alien but that's but that's not to say that what they do they don't do well sure uh, at least on occasion so that is the big release on home video this week called Life. By the way, if you like scary movies and you're already over there on uh, Apple Podcasts, look up Fright Club, and that is the horror movie podcast that the two of us do every other week. Yeah, and uh, you are encouraged to talk about Fright Club. Uh, <laughs> we have a lot of fun with the horror genre, one of our favorites, and if you kind of have those tastes as well, you are more than welcome. We have a lot of fun, and it's Fright Club, and you can find it on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. Looking forward, though, to the next week, next couple of weeks anyway, uh, things get busy. Yeah, and uh, and some really good stuff that we're looking forward to next week. Uh, a couple of the movies that we've been most excited about all summer, Baby Driver. Yeah, Edgar Wright. And The Beguiled. Yes, that is Sofia Coppola, who 
won Best Director, right, at Cannes? Cannes, she did. Only the second time in the history of Cannes for a woman to win Best Director, and she did for that. And uh, and then also Despicable Me, well, I guess it's Despicable Me 3, because the Minions movie doesn't count as That's part right. of Canon. But anyway, right. it's, the, it's the next Despicable Me movie. Yeah, and those are always popular. So a lot coming Coming down in the next few weeks, we'll be eager to talk about. Hope you will be as well. And any thoughts on these movies or anything that we talked about, let us know. Always fun to keep the conversation going on Twitter. You will find us at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also, Mad Wolf Columbus is our home on Facebook. And the main website just voted what? I think it might have just won, yes. One of the 100 best movie blogs on planet Earth. I heard someone else talk about that. (laughs) Might have been me. That's uh, madwolf.com, so plenty of ways to find us, and we hope you will. The Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and madwolf.com. And until next week, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. This is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.